Hello and welcome to another edition of this week's Politically Speaking podcast. I'm your host, Chris McDaniel, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. And joining me today... A still frigid Jason Rosenbaum of the St. Louis Beacon. And... Uh, Joe Manis. And I'm not frigid. I'm not... I'm pretty comfortable. Either. I'm just pretty comfortable, weather-wise, of the St. Louis Beacon. Now, guys, first, we have to get to this news. Uh, there is a campaign flyer that is taking the world by storm right now. It's a sleigh flyer. <laughs> it's a sleigh flyer. It is all over the Twitter sphere, uh, but not necessarily because of what's in the foreground. Which is sleigh, Clay, Lacey Clay, um, some other top officials. Yeah. It's the it's the but those the, those people don't matter. Those <laughs> no. people don't matter. What, what matters is our very own Jason Rosenbaum is in the background uh, photo bombing, basically. <laughs> yes. And you know who else is in the background? Richard Callow, who apparently hates being photographed and things. And also uh, Michael and I, I'm pronouncing campaign. Manager. I'm pronouncing yes. his name wrong. Michael Globe of the KTRS and also Steve Englehart, Clay's. Uh, a spokesperson, but obviously I'm getting most of the attention because well, I'm because you're because, front and center, <laughs> and yeah. he's and he's staring directly into his phone. Which... <laughs> that was election day t- yeah. uh, in November, so I was very preoccupied on who was going to win the incredibly close battle between Lacey Clay and Robin Hamlet. He ended <laughs> yes. up winning by a, a very tight margin of like seventy percent to thirty percent. So I was very preoccupied. We were on with top that. of it. Yeah, but a lot of people have noticed. Even our state senator Eric Schmidt was, who's a Republican from Glendale, was tweeting. <laughs> I fo- photo bombing B A U M. Yes, I, it, it did get a lot of attention, but I don't know if it was as good as when I photo bombed Bob Barker in 2007 <laughs> when he the came Capitol. to the Missouri Capitol. But uh, clearly, this is the biggest issue in the race well, for mayor yes. right now. Well, it's it's what everybody's talking about and all the forums and everything like that. But yes, the mayoral <laughs> <Right. laughs> the Democratic primary for the mayoral races on Tuesday. So there's just a few days left. Last night there were two different forums. There was one uh that was put on by the Association of Black Journalists and one that um Slay was at. The Bosnian one? Yes, yes. Yeah, and 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 it's they it appears that they're Will not be any more joint appearances. I Correct. think the last one will be the one that the radio station had about a week and a half no, ago. No, it'll be the the Cam Forum where where there was you know haiku oh, yeah. and skateboarding oh, and one. jumping jacks. None of those things actually happened, yes. but we talked about that last week. Now I tried to push that out of my mind. I I completely forgotten about that. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you were <laughs> trying to push it out of your mind. It was a good event, though. I think it was memorable. I don't want to belittle it. Was memorable. It. So. One, one of the interesting things I think about this last week is that both candidates have been focusing more on issues. Yes. And usually, frankly, candidates usually do that at the beginning. And usually the last two or three weeks is when they're lobbing all these uh, verbal uh, bombs at each other. Which that and, happened a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but that, that had been happening from early January right. on. And then it seems like the last 10 days since this haiku form or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> they've been like uh, – Aldermanic President Lewis Reed has been putting out these position papers almost daily. He's put out three or four right. on different issues. Uh, it would have been nice if he'd put them out earlier in time for uh, the Beacon's issues packages that we were doing. We did have his comments, and right. had his, but, but he was much more in-depth in these issues papers. Um, 
And uh, at the same time, the mayor's had something on homelessness. He's had something on sustainability mm-hmm. and uh, some other things that he has mentioned during his campaign, but he was highlighting them to much more greater extent. And the point I'm getting at is that in in, in Reed's case, it doesn't appear that his issues papers are going to be like on any TV ads or anything like that or right. radio spots. And for the mayor, um, most of his radio ads I mean, and TV spots have been more general. So you wonder how many people are even going to be aware of the issues that they're highlighting. Has the, the mayor end. even put out a negative TV ad yet? No, he's put out a negative flyer. Oh, he's put out a ton uh, and, of negative mailers. Yeah. But and, no, and I no think there TV. are negative uh, radio ads yeah. also. Because all the TV ads have been, you know, fairly warm and fuzzy on both sides. Yes. And I don't think there's a lot of time for them to really push out the, the negative stuff. So, Well, it's unclear if Reed was going to even have any TV, what they were telling me a few well, days he, ago. Well, he spent 5000 on uh, TV ads for Charter. Charter, yeah. yeah. But, but they were talking about whether or not they were going to do a final push. Mm-hmm. The last campaign reports, which I wrote about on Monday— the mayor had over half a million left in the bank, and Reed had about ninety-seven thousand, and that was right. with a twenty-six thousand dollars debt. debt. Yeah, I wonder if he's even going to spend. The mayor's even going to spend all of that money, and whether he'll have enough afterwards. But maybe he will, just to to make sure he gets over that final push. But it's hard. Yeah, to say. or or who knows? He may. I mean, depending on what what happens on Tuesday, the mayor, if he uh, gets the nomination, he may um, also use some of it for. Something else like the um, arch tax or something. Although else. they're not really scrambling for funds, they no. keep getting six or five oh, yeah. and six figure donations every day now. But that's a the, whole other issue. The right. longest pack name in the history of packs. Yes, yeah. I, I don't even remember what the name is, but it's long. Very and we'll long. be talking about that after next Tuesday. It'll be the only be game, game in, in town. town. <laughs> Except there is one, I guess, Aldermanic race where a Republican filed but i mean this is a democratic town we're talking about and unless it's the 12th or the 16th it's not likely that a republican is going to win an aldermanic race but again i'm getting kind of off town yeah well there there was a lot of uh spirited aldermanic races and without getting into them the one interesting thing is that antonio french who's running for re-election in the 21st ward a few days ago um brad kessler who's a st louis lawyer who had run unsuccessfully for the Sixth. And for full disclosure, Brad Kessler is my second cousin. So okay. I want to be clear on yeah, that. Yeah, so Jason's not going to talk about Brad. So I will. <laughs> so uh, he filed this complaint pointing out that on his affidavit that French had filed, uh, French had checked that he did not have any um, outstanding fees or debts mm-hmm. owed to the state or the city. Well, actually, he was still paying off a fine to the Missouri Ethics Commission for unrelated stuff, uh, $8,000 altogether. Now, French says he wasn't misrepresenting anything because he had set up a, a payment program. So he's been making the payments on time. So he said there wasn't any, he wasn't like, there, there wasn't anything outstanding from the standpoint that he wasn't uh, in arrears on anything. And mm-hmm. uh, But uh, Kessler's complaint got the notice of the uh, Missouri, um, I mean, of the state election board who basically gave um, French a week to pay off the rest. So he gave him a check um, just within the last day or two for the last $2,000, which was due Friday anyway. But he ties it somewhat to the whole – he's been a very active and visible player on behalf of Reed, and he ties this to the whole Reed Slay race and believes that um, this all stemmed from uh, Slay allies getting back at him. Yeah.
I let Joe handle that part of the story, by the way, just as another another point. But it conflict. just goes to show, regardless of what's mm-hmm. true or not, how uh, in politics, and this has always been, is that things bleed over into other races. And so you've got... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And I think one thing that we'll look for more in general is whether any of these incumbents get ousted. There is one open seat in the sixth ward between Damon Jones Christine Ingracia and Michelle Whithouse, where there will be a new alder person there. But it remains to be seen whether any of the incumbents that are facing challengers are going to be unseated. I mean, it's really going to be a case-by-case basis, and I guess we'll find out in the next Politically Speaking podcast whether any of that occurred. Yes, yeah. But so the mayor's race has been the one attracting some of the attention, but there's a lot of other stuff going on. Like today, I'm hearing that the Violence Against Women Act passed uh, in the House today. U.S. House. In the U.S. House, yes. There's There's been a lot of contention between the House and the Senate over this bill. The Senate, and which is controlled by Democrats, wanted these provisions that right. protected Native Americans. And they had uh, LGBT. LGBT provisions also right. in there. Um, you know, McCaskill has been very outspoken going after... Uh, Republicans in the House for not taking up. Yes, and, and here's the Missouri angle. So why are yes. we talking about this national <laughs> thing? It's because uh, U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill, who had a big uh, event last Friday with uh, Jennifer Joyce, a circuit, longtime circuit attorney for the city of St. Louis, and some suspect likely candidate for something in a few years, um, McCaskill and Joyce were promoting the the act and the funding it provides. And in the middle of that press conference, McCaskill... Uh, did a little verbal jab of sorts mm-hmm. at new U.S. House member Ann Wagner, who's a Republican from Baldwin, and and noted that Wagner was president of the House Republicans in the U.S. House, and she's and Mc, like the uh, freshman. What do you what do you mean by that? Well, the freshman class. Okay. they they elect a a, a she has a leadership position Correct. within the within House the in, freshman. in the freshman class. Yeah. But, right, but continue. Right, and so she's been like every time Bain, uh, House Speaker Boehner is a press conference, you see Ann Wagner <laughs> right there prominently. And so McCaskill, and something I've never seen in Missouri, says, you know, well, since Ann Wagner's this big, you know, she's president of that class, she ought to be, you know, talking all these Republicans into voting in favor of this. Now, this is something that's. I cannot recall another time when that's done, when when a U.S. senator has kind of did a little tweaking at a member of the House from the other party in the same state. They often, uh, if they're from opposing parties, they often don't even acknowledge each other. Right. And, and Wagner and McCaskill have both been major players in Missouri politics since the late 90s. So it's not like they haven't known who each other are, but... There has never been any public engagement of that for 14 years, and then all of a sudden this happens. So today, yeah. the, the, the U- U.S. House passes the Democratic version, rejects the Republican version. Within two hours and probably less, um, Wagner puts out a statement saying that she had voted in favor of the act and she was really happy and that that she supported the version that really helped people, I mean women, and she's the Democrats were playing politics. Now, what she's not saying is that what she voted for was the one that didn't pass. Right, the Republican version. Of right, it. she didn't vote for the Democratic version. That then, didn't include the Native American and LGBT correct, provisions. Correct. And then McCaskill puts out a statement that doesn't mention Wagner, but really jabs at the Republicans for uh, their version and then features a, a 
a video of of herself on MSNBC promoting the act right before the vote. So, but so here you had like kind of dueling versions of what was happening, and both by these two women figures, and it makes one wonder. We were talking about this before we, w- yeah, we went I th- on the air about. No, I I don't I don't know if the politically speaking podcast will be around in 2018 or 2016, but. I mean, I, I can't peer into the, the motivations, but it seems like McCaskill sees Wagner as a, not necessarily a threat, but somebody who could be on the rise within the Missouri political hierarchy. I mean, first of all, she could raise a gazillion dollars. She right. showed that in 2012 when she basically cleared a primary field that could have been a crowded correct, primary. Correct. She has, you know, national links with her role. I guess she was in the Republican National Committee uh, leadership structure. Yes, she was co-chair in the early 2000s before she was she made also, uh, she was also ambassador pro- of Luxembourg. She also mm-hmm. has that. Now, I don't know if she is going to be around to run for something else in, in any of those cycles. I mean, I don't want to go that far. But, I mean, I think implicitly that could be part of it, but it could also be part of the fact that McCaskill wants this bill passed and she wanted Republicans to flip over. Yeah, so. but, but normally you wouldn't mention you wouldn't single somebody out now if you go back to last summer i wonder if it had anything to do with last summer when okay first ann wagner is widely believed to have played a key role in persuading todd aiken to run for the u.s senate right. and then and wagner ran for his seat okay after aiken imploded with his uh legitimate rate comment in august there was all this talk about you know pushing him out putting somebody else in ann wagner was on the short list of potential Republicans to replace him. And there was even talk, although she was careful and didn't say anything, there was talk about maybe even her and him doing a switch. Yeah. And so anyway, none of this happened. And, and of course, Aiken ended up losing. But I still think that um, it is fascinating that, as I said, Wagner and McCaskill have both been very prominent players in Missouri politics since the late 1990s, but it's only been within the last week or so that there's actually been kind of a direct contact, right. direct yeah. acknowledgement of each other, so to speak. W- whether there's a collision course between these two, I do think Wagner is somebody to watch over yes. the next few years. Um, I mean, first of all, she's going to probably help a lot of fellow Republicans, both nationally and within the party, probably more than Aiken did. Aiken had a reputation for not being very helpful toward other people. I'm sure you've heard that yes. before. And um, I think that's probably going to endear her to many people, and also just her fundraising prowess and just her now more high-profile role as part of this leadership situation. I do think she'll be worth watching, and she also represents a big chunk of the St. Louis metro area, so that's also another another feather in her proverbial cap, well, so to speak. in fact, I'm pretty sure she is now McCaskill's congresswoman. I think McCaskill's I believe you're Kirkwood. right. And she's also my grandfather's congresswoman. I've told her that seven times now, and I'm sure she's sick of hearing that. Well, let, let me say that, that she is an articulate. Both women are very articulate and very uh, attractive candidates. And so they're both um, going to be women to watch because there's, there's been a lot of speculation of where McCaskill may end up in the next few years. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the Missouri GOP. Yes. They have new leadership now. Uh, Shane Scholler is the executive director. Yes, that and, was announced today. And News. you might remember him from November. He was running uh, for Secretary of State against Jason Kander. Um, he, he, along with Ed Martin, they were both unsuccessful Republicans yes, in that, that part of that yeah, Scholler, Victory yes. 2012 yeah. tour. Scholler lost pretty narrowly. Very narrowly. It was a very close race. Um, but 
there he had been making kind of signals and overtures that he might run again in 2016. He put out like an email saying that to some effect. So mm-hmm. he he was it was clear that he wasn't leaving the political scene. He's been very visible even after his loss. You know, he was even in Jefferson City uh, for the uh, voter ID because bill because that was one right. of his biggest things. So mm-hmm. I, I do think you know the executive director, and I'm sure Joe can call, kind of carry on to this does a lot of kind of the, the grunt work of, of making sure the party is running smoothly. And Scholler does have experience of working behind the scenes, both for now U.S. Senator Roy Blunt, as well as uh, Matt Blunt when he was Secretary of State. So he is kind of has that experience of working behind the scenes and kind of making sure all the trains run on time. So there's that. And, and actually, somebody pointed out to me today, he's actually the second unsuccessful secretary of state candidate to become executive director of the Republican Hmm. Party, John Hancock, Hancock. who lost in 1992 in a stunning upset to uh, Judy Mortiarty, who was later impeached, and then to (laughs) Becky Cook in 1996, was executive director from, I believe, 1997 to 2003. I yeah, mean, so so for your next <laughs> trivia contest. <laughs> yes. So it, that are, there is something. And, you know, I think there's also going to be a lot of talk about, okay, you know, now Ed Martin and Shane Schiller, who both lost, are now in these two positions. Right. What does this say about the party? Well, I actually have a thought process that losing in a statewide race can actually be beneficial to somebody if, if it happens only once. If it happens only once and if they kind of use that experience to correct their mistakes. The the, the story I always like to point to is Blaine Lichtenmeyer in 2008. He lost fairly substantially in 2004 to Sarah Steelman when she ran for treasurer. He came back after four years of, of doing other things and I believe used that experience to navigate through a Republican primary and then beat Judy Baker in a very – contentious and contested race for um for the u.s house in the ninth district so i do think that if scholler or anybody else wants to run again in 2016 you know they could use that experience not only to help themselves but maybe to help the party push themselves in in a better direction but there's also instances where people lose once and you know never come back because of whatever reason so i'm not saying it's a magical elixir but I'm not saying I'm also saying that just because you lose once doesn't mean you're gone forever. Well, I think it's also a signal, though, that the state Republican Party wants to have someone who is high profile and can do more TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lloyd Smith, who'd been there for a number of years, who's a, who is executive director. Lloyd was also very good on TV, good on radio, good with the snappy comebacks. Um Shane Scholler, I think, will be in that same mode from the standpoint that he's a former legislator. He knows the issues. Um, he can uh, smoothly articulate stuff. Yeah, I would say that as far as public speaking goes, he's actually a pretty effective exactly, public speaker. Exactly. But it, what's fascinating to me is that the Republican—this is in line with—although there, there have been some exceptions. As a general rule, the Republican Party has had somebody at the top uh, going back to Hancock who was— who played that high-profile role. Now, when Ann Wagner was um, party chairman in the late 90s and in the early 2000s, she was the chair, not the executive director, but she actually took on that role But the, uh, of being the person who was on TV and articulating the uh, uh, complaints and the statements. And it's fascinating to me is that this is kind of what the state Republican Party is doing now. So they've got somebody like Scholler, who's maybe a little more of a cooler head on TV than— Ed Martin, who often 
has some pretty fiery rhetoric. He, he's right. a he's he's a great person to cover, but so that could be a kind of a yin and yang combination. Right. Yet on the Democratic side, um, their executive director is somebody that is not seen on the news. Is not I mean, and their chairman is Mike Sanders, who's the Jackson County executive, and we know right. from St. Louis County executives that those people are not the most universally popular people. Um, but you know he. He, well, he's he's seen as an up and comer as oh, well. Oh yeah, and Sanders really good when he does TV and radio, and I enjoy dealing with him at the uh, Democratic convention. But the point I'm getting at is that it, on the Democratic side, it's not the executive director; it's the chairman, and then more importantly, the titular head of the party, which is the governor, who yeah. who are the ones who are the 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 face of the party, not the executive director. On the Republican side, it's going to be um, Ed Martin and. Scholler, I think you're going to see kind of this duel as the head of the. And I'll just and point- Tim Jones, though he's yes, he's, that's true. He's definitely wrangling to to do that. And I will House speaker. Yeah. I will yes, also speaker. point out that the person that defeated Scholler was in the news a couple times. First of all, just a few minutes ago, he released oh, yes. the results of an early voting commission, which I'm sure will be looked at and debated in the, in the yeah, next Jason couple Kander. months. Yes. Um, he also had a high-profile thing about going after a company, I guess, in the St. Louis area for unscrupulous business practices. But for journalists like us, the thing that really caught my attention was the release of a new website that archives audio from legislative debates. This is not only going to be nifty for people who love Missouri politics so much they want to listen to past legislative debates, but also for journalists who may not be there all the time or might have missed something on the floor. And I had a piece that they're probably, the Candor's people probably saw that piece, like, how did this guy write a 900-word piece about something (laughs) like that? It did get me wondering on whether that now that the Secretary of State is officially archiving uh, audio, whether attorneys who are litigating legislation would use that as a way of determining legislative intent. I actually talked with Mike Wolf, Jane Duker, and uh, Chuck Hatfield about this. And three lawyers. Three lawyers. One of them, Wolf, who is the former Missouri Supreme Court judge, he basically said that while it's a great tool for people like us, it probably is not going to be very helpful in determining legislative intent because somebody could say something on the floor and say that they're doing something for X reason, but actually in an underhanded way trying to do something else. So they're, they're really going to look at the bill's language more than what's said on the floor because of a whole bunch of factors that makes it somewhat unreliable. But it was a jumping off point for, I think, a a fascinating legal discussion that probably caused three people around the state to say, oh, that's interesting. But well, but also it does highlight how candor is paying on attention to some of these issues and what role the secretary of state can play. So he may pay more of a visually activist role than Robin Carnahan did, at least for her second term, which segues into Democrat Days this weekend in Hannibal. And Candor is the keynote speaker at the Saturday breakfast. Yes. So Joe will be there. I will be in Little Rock, Arkansas at a bat mitzvah. Yes. I'm sure that's where you all expected me to be this weekend. (laughs) And I will be scrambling to finish my mayoral profile stories and also in Indianapolis for an NBA Pacers game. Wow. Yeah. The first one I've been to since Reggie Miller played the game, like 13 years ago. Well, as a lifelong Milwaukee Bucks fan, I hope that everybody on that team gets injured. Wow. Wow. So so there's no photobombing from either of you (laughs) (laughs) on the I'm just kidding. I I, I like a lot of the players on Indiana. Indiana. They're a very good guy. They've been a perennially good team. I just do not like them.
at all. Well, I'm from Indiana, and my my mother is a Pacers fanatic, so that's well. Maybe she'll be there. Also, the Milwaukee Bucks this year are just dreadfully mediocre. So I have they no. Are. There's no reason why I should be talking trash. <laughs> and Indiana, I think is. They're second. They're, they're the second. They're the second seed. They're yeah. they're they're actually quite in good. The Eastern Conference. Yeah. I could see them going very far. The Milwaukee Bucks will be lucky to make the playoffs. So I <laughs> well, thanks I, for I, listening I, I'm, to I'm the Flipper Contest <laughs> as we go off the air. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to this uh, NBA podcast. It's, it's been really fun this week. <laughs> Nothing so but you know, nets. My father was a basketball coach for 30 years in Indiana, so I do know basketball. <laughs> All right, well, we'll be back next week. We can talk about the results of the Democratic mayoral primary. You can follow me on Twitter at @csmcdaniel. You can read my stories at stlpublicradio.org. Uh, you can follow Joe and Jason on Twitter at... Jay Rosenbaum. And Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. Uh, you can read Joe and Jason's stories at stlbeacon.org. Joe and I are also going to be on Stay Tuned tonight, which yes. starts at 9, nine o'clock. On, on the 9 Network. Nine, did nine, you nine. say I was going to be on? I did not. Okay, good. Yes. Because I'm not. I'm going to see Book of Mormon. Did I already <laughs> say that? I don't are think we... so. So if, if you're only a Jason fan and you, and you don't really care for Joe or I. Stand then... outside the Fox. <laughs> no, but be sure to check in on that show. Joe and Chris will, will all, almost certainly do a wonderful job explaining the issues almost on a very certainly. important election. Yes, it is important. And I, I always like being on that show. I'm sorry I'm missing it this time, but do tune in to see them if, if you hear this podcast by then. Well, we'll be back next week. Until then, so long. So long. Tune in. <laughs> sorry. I, I, I seriously wasn't.